obsess over product, obsess over unit economics, and obsess over go-to-market strategy. And simpler is better. Welcome to Hearts and Carts, the CPG podcast, the podcast about the people behind the products that are winning hearts and filling carts. This cast is for anyone with an interest in the world of consumer products. We're your hosts, Justin Osborne and Alex Hill, and our mission is to bring you weekly content that helps you be a better and more informed CPG professional. Hello, everyone who loves CPG. Welcome to another episode of Hearts and Carts. It's Alex here, your co-host, and I'm here with Justin. We're getting ready to chat with an interesting founder who's built a great business, over 8,000 doors, and and a big DTC presence. Justin, who are we uh, talking to today? We are chatting with Will Nitza, who is the CEO and founder of IQ Bar which is a company that makes brain and body nutrition products that actually deliver. Um, So as Alex mentioned, they're in 8,000 doors. They sell a a ton online as well through DTC. They've expanded from bars uh, and are now into some mixes as well. And actually, Will tells us about their 2023 innovation that's coming up. So we'll get to that. Without further ado, we'll jump over to the interview. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on social media. And here we go. Brain food, it's gonna make you smart, dude. Brain food, eat it up. Get your head ready, put your mind in the right mood. Brain food, eat it up. Hey, Will, how goes it? Hey, good. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Happy Wednesday. How's uh, how's everything over in Boston? All good. All good. You guys keeping warm? Keeping warm, staying inside, so not not that hard. Like it, like it. Well, welcome to uh, welcome to Hearts and Carts, man. It's good to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so, you know, I'll do a quick intro, and then I think we can start to dive into things. We're uh, we're going to uh, to I think you know just try and cover a little bit of your story and understand you know your journey and IQ Bar and what you're doing. So, first and foremost, everybody, we got Will Nitza, the CEO and founder of IQ Bar. IQ Bar combines six brain nutrients and three body nutrients together to to make essentially a a powerful health food option for snacking on the go. But beyond that, I'm going to hand it over to Will to to tell us a little bit about who he is and and kind of his journey leading up to IQ Bar and and, and then we can dive into IQ Bar and, and the story there. How's that sound, Will? Yeah, that that sounds good. You want the long version or the short version? You know what? Long. Yeah, let's, let's go long. Let's, let's yeah, go long. I'm, I'm curious to hear the story. Love the product, love the branding, and I heard some talks from you and things like that. So let's let's go long story, and we'll we'll cut you off if it goes over three hours. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'll start in college. I, I was studying. I didn't know what I wanted to do in college, and I took a psych uh, course and fell in love with psychology and then took a bunch of neuroscience courses and that was really my passion as an undergrad was psychology and neuroscience, <clears throat> but I didn't know what I wanted to do with that or how I could map that to a job post-college. And so I just by default took a, a job in software. I was selling uh, supply chain and operation software to oil and gas companies, uh, super random. Um, mm. But at the time, like SaaS as a 
software model was blowing up and mm-hmm. actually energy was kind of blowing up, up at the time. We had just become a net exporter of energy for the first time in this country. And anyway, um, spot I was at was at the intersection of those things and it was a really good experience. I had good and tough bosses, learned how to put together a good PowerPoint deck, you know, put together a good uh, spreadsheet, et cetera, but was not passionate about it. Didn't want to, knew I didn't want to do it for 30, 40 years. Yeah. Um, but, and so I sort of, um, well, at, in that job, I started feeling terrible physically and I was just getting headaches mm-hmm. and brain fog and lethargic. And I pretty quickly mapped that to my diet or found that that was attributable to my diet. Um, and so I got really into nutrition. This was like 2015, 2016. And I just started voraciously reading books on nutrition. And, and then I read a book called Green Brain, which was at the, the, uh, intersection of nutrition and cognition and which was again one one of my favorite topics um and basically it was just saying effectively the things you eat now affect how your brain works today and then the things you eat repeatedly over decades of time affect how your brain works uh, or and, and or structurally is 60 or 70 and that was a fascinating concept to me and also concurrent to that, I read a couple, I read a book called that also changed my life called Mission in a Bottle by Seth Goldman and Barry Nelbuff, the guys who started Honest Tea. And I found that to be really fascinating because first of all, it's written in a graphic novel format, which I think the <laughs> oh, really? only book I've ever, yeah, it's the only book yeah. I've ever read that's written like a comic book, business book yeah. I've ever read that's written like a comic book. Yeah. And it was just super good. Um the guy, Seth Goldman, had gone to Harvard undergrad. Um, so I was like, I'm this guy. And he, he went into consulting and didn't like it. And You're relating to him. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. are all these ways I was like, I'm this guy, like a generation. Or and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the story goes, he was walking in a park and it was iced tea and it was way too sweet. And he simply wanted a less sweet iced tea. And, and then it just goes through all the vicissitudes of figuring out how to start a drink company, failing in a bunch of ways, um, losing money, how do it, how he raised more money, how do he, the dynamics between him and his co-founder, yada, 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 all the way through to exit when he sold, sold it to Coca-Cola, which infamously now they just divested and yeah. that's a whole other story, but, yeah. um, or not divested, they just sunsetted. Stop, um, yeah. so anyway, yeah, I read those Things both changed my grain brain and then mission in a bottle changed my way into my life in, in a huge way because basically I was like, all right, I'm going to start a brain food. That was like my the byproduct of me reading those two books mm-hmm. and not really loving what I was doing was me for whatever reason thinking, okay, I'm going to start a brain. And so at that time, was it like, did you have any idea on what type of food? Like, did you, were you thinking bars or were you thinking like anything that can support cognitive function? Uh, I was fairly agnostic as to the form factor. Bars just seemed really logical because, I mean, there's a couple of boxes I wanted to check. Is it a really big market? Um, mm. You know, there's only so many things that are the manifestation of smashing a bunch of things together. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah. It's like a bar, a cookie, and Powder. that's basically it. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. So, that was this like realization I had, I'm going to do this thing. And then of course I knew nothing about how to actually start. Like, where do you start? And I think that's where a lot of people just sort of flounder around and then give up is, is right at the finish line or at the starting block. Yeah. Um, and you know, for me, 
I don't know why I did started doing this. Maybe I've always done this, but I always take the same tack when I'm approaching something I don't know about, which is just find someone who does know about it, call them and then ask them. So I basically, my next step was actually, that's not true. I tried to get a job at a startup because I was going to be, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'll go find a food. I want to start this thing. I don't know anything. I'll go find a food startup. I'll go work there for like a year and then I'll yeah suck up all the knowledge possibly can quit and then do it. And I'll start with all this knowledge. And so I tried to get a job at a couple of food startups, food and bev startups in, in Boston where I live. And I just like couldn't get one. Um, <laughs> Either they weren't hiring, the role didn't exist. It was weird, right? Because I had no, I was like selling software. So it was a weird, it was a weird transition. Yeah. I was yeah. like, yeah, I know I have no credibility, but <laughs> I'm a pretty smart guy. Like, I think I can do this for you. And they're like, either we don't have the money or just no. Um, so I was like, all right, screw it. I'll just do it. So then my next step was I just called up every entrepreneur who had started my goods company in Boston, sat down with them, asked them a bunch of questions. And then, yeah, just sort of triangulated a path forward. I mean, it was everything from how do you raise money? What sort of valuation do you peg your company to? Uh, how do you manufacture? How do you convince the manufacturer for you? How do you scale up a recipe? How do, how do you put together a recipe in the first place? Um, like everything. And that was a super clunky road, just like figuring out that path and roadmap and trajectory. But I figured it out. I, one of the people in Boston co-pack, had a co-packer who made bars for them in Spokane, Washington. And so I ended up connecting with them. <laughs> you decided to go like, really far as far as. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> as far, about as far away as, as possible in this like random industrial park in Spokane Valley, Washington. Um, so yeah, they were like, yeah, we'll make it for you. So, and then the, the next part, the really tricky part is the chicken rag problem of like, yes. you need money to um make product to then sell that product to then justify evaluation to then raise money on that valuation but you don't have but you know where are you going to get that money <laughs> yeah. without just yeah. massively diluting yourself right so for me kickstarter was the way i did that and then um so anyway we had a two two month long kickstarter raised or sold between Kickstarter and Indiegogo, which was kind of overflow from Kickstarter, sold $90,000 worth of product right out the gate. And this was like phantom product. Mm-hmm. It really didn't exist. existed on spreadsheets, but we had never made a single bar. And uh, then raised six hundred grand on the back of that. Wow. From yeah. angel investors. That's pretty and nice in the pitch deck, eh? Having, having $90,000 of phantom orders. Yeah, yeah. Well, so yeah, it's a, just... A lot better than here's a PowerPoint deck and here's why you should trust me. It's like, oh no, we have two thousand customers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was that was how we started. And um, I mean, I could go like so deep on any one of those things, the Kickstarter, whatever, yeah. but suffice it to say, we were off to the races in mid we we fulfilled our first order in mid twenty eighteen and then and then it was like, all right, now we're in the marketplace, like now you just gotta like figure out how to keep the wheel going. Yeah. Um, you know, demand plan. And the, the crazy thing too is like you're a one man band. Yeah. Or at least I was a one man yeah. band, right? So you're the ops guy, but you're also the marketing yeah. guy, and you're also the sales guy, and you're also the legal guy, and you're also the finance, you know, fundraising guy. And so somehow you have to juggle all those things. But when I raised money pretty shortly after we were in the marketplace, I I made my first hire, which was a an ops person, and that was like massive because now I 
I could like crudely cut in half the business to like making stuff and selling stuff. Yeah. And I, I was going to focus on selling stuff. And this guy I hired was going to focus on. That was giant. Um, yeah. So I okay. can, I can keep going. Yeah. Uh, Ton, tons to unpack. I, I think, yeah. you know, for our listeners, maybe let's, let's just start with the product, you know, tell us about, I, I know I kind of covered it, you know, roughly in terms of uh, some of the benefits, but tell us about what IQ bar is. And, and I know you have some other line extensions like dilutables, so tell us about the process of, of making the product and, and how you, uh, how you arrived at the product and what, you know, what, for those who might not be familiar with the product is. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, we, bars are our hero product and IQ bar. It's the name of the company, but also the name of our, our biggest line by far. A um, couple of years into the business, I decided I want us to be a platform more than just a bar company. So yeah. we want to be a brain and body nutrition company. And bars are, of course, a huge part of that. But we we and we also wanted to be a platform that was different than other platforms in the sense that oftentimes people have bars and then they'll make bites or cookies or, you know, kind of just other forms of the same thing. And I actually wanted to be radically different, like entirely non-cannibalizing, different different occasion of the day that you're servicing, different form factors. So um, hydration was a category I wanted to be in. Um, and so we launched IQ Mix, which was our, our first extension in the new product category. And then in, in 2023, we're going to launch IQ Joe, which will be a coffee, instant mm. coffee product. Cool. Yeah, we're trying to trying to knock down like satiate, like caffeinate, IQ Joe, satiate, IQ Mix, hydrate, IQ, yeah. uh, or IQ Bar, hydrate, IQ, IQ Mix. Mix. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's. So anyway, what is the point of all of it? The point is to have brain and body functional nutrition delivered, you know, via these different form factors. Um, everything we do is low carb, low sugar. Everything we do is vegan. Everything we do um, includes brain nutrients. So on the bar side, that's in omega-3s, flavonoids, CTs, et cetera. Um, and then on the hydration side, it's, it's really two big ones, lion's mane and this special kind of magnesium called magnesium L3 innate, which is the only magnesium that crosses the blood blood brain barrier. So you take most magnesiums are like magnesium mm. citrate or magnesium chloride or things like that. Mm. None of those actually make it to your brain. Interesting. There's, there's one form of magnesium that's your brain, which is this special molecule called magne- magnesium L3 innate, trademarked mag team. And so anyway, that that plus lion's mane is in our hydration product. And then those two will be in our, our coffee products as well. So, yeah, we're trying to just basically own this brain and body space. I like it. Very interesting. So the the magnesium thing, I didn't know that. So that's new information to me that I'm I'm going to have to look into now for my own health after this. Talk about a few of the other ingredients. So lion's mane, you know, what, what that's used for, MCT, any of the other ingredients that are major in your products, just for people that haven't tried them before. Sure. <clears throat> so, yeah, so lion's mane is is a mushroom. There's a whole class of mushrooms known as adaptogens. It's not just mushrooms, actually. It's herbs, too. So there's a herb called rhode- rhodiola rosea is an adaptogen, too. It's a root. Um, but so basically the idea is that it, it helps your body adapt to stress, negative, exogenous uh, things that, that can make you feel not good. Um, and then it has a whole host of other benefits. So lion's mane in particular is really the brain adaptogen. It helps you grow new neurons, literally neurogenesis, the process mm-hmm. where um, over time you can actually can facilitate growing new neurons. Um, so that, that's one of them anyway. Um, and adaptogens are kind of having a moment or 
getting more and more popular. I think they're still yeah. fairly mm-hmm. niche, candidly. Like if you yeah. went into a Costco and you asked 100 people what an adaptogen is, uh, I don't know yeah. how many people are yeah. telling you an answer, but um, but nonetheless, getting bigger. The MCTs are uh, medium chain triglycerides, so they're a special kind of fat. Um, you have shorter chain fats, molecule chain um, that break down really quickly, and then you have longer chain that break down slower, and then you have medium mm-hmm. breakdown in, in between. And they break down into uh, ketones that that your brain can. It's a energy source that your brain can run off of here, but brain predominantly runs off glucose, blood sugar. Um, but it actually can also run off ketones, which is another molecule. Um, and these fats, when you consume them, break down into ketones, and your brain can actually run on this alternate source of energy. Hmm. Um, it's very popular. That's the whole ketogenic diet, right? If you just don't eat, period, your body break body produces ketones. Um, so when you're fasting, right, you're in ketosis and your brain is running largely off of these ketones. So really popular for folks who are apparently it's very helpful for people who are epileptic um, <clears throat> and reduces seizures. And I think that was actually the origin of the keto diet was it was really, really helpful for folks with epilepsy because it was an all for whatever reason, the alternative fuel source led to less seizures. Um, but it's just seen thought of as a cleaner, cleaner fuel source. So anyway, that's a very long winded way of getting into MCTs. Omega threes are that's pretty garden variety. Everyone knows what the, those are. Those come from fish oil. Vegan sources or you know chia seeds and flax seeds and things like that are very high in those. And those are help uh, fortify your your cell your uh, neuron cell membranes. Basically, keep your brain cells uh, in good shape and fortify your brain and help your brain degrade less over time. Flavonoids, it's the color, What that's what makes uh, leaves and fruits and things like that colorful. Um, that's why you don't, don't take the skin off fruits and things like that. That's where a lot of the, the flavonoids are, are in. Um, highly anti-inflammatory and uh, free radical and uh, so reduce inflammation in the brain. Um, so anyway, th- th- those are a number yeah. of them, but I could go yeah. on. But idea is like, basically, what, what are nutrients that are good for your brain for xyz reason could be energy like mct is like energy could be like protective so like omega-3 is like protective could be anti-inflammatory like flavonoids anti-inflammatory so it's it's just different functions and then what are the whole foods that are highest in those so like for flavonoids it's blueberries so if you want a brain berry it's a blueberry so we have a blueberry flavor um And then like in the leaf category, it's matcha, matcha flavor. In the bean category, it's a cocoa bean, chocolate. So that's how we formulate all our stuff is basically looking at what are the whole food ingredients highest in these things and how can we make a product out of it. Love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I think it's the opposite approach that most people probably take, which is what is the flavor we want and then how do we get these macros in there? So starting it that <laughs> way is kind of a, is a sort of cool perspective. Yeah. And candidly, like, you do that too. Like you can't you do both. not, yeah. you can't not think about that. Right. Like no one wants like a goji berry bar or whatever, you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. to a degree you can't, like there's all these micro compromises you have to make too. I actually think the topic of like science and functionality and, and those kind of things intersecting with reality and business and consumer behavior <laughs> and price points is super interesting. Cause it's totally, it's just so complicated. Like, for instance, if I really had my way, I'd have things like curcumin, which is a turmeric root extract, yeah. and like ris- resveratrol, which is a 
grape extract. That's why some yeah. people say like wine it's is good for the your red heart wine. Brain. Yeah. 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 But you'd have to drink like 50 bottles. So it's like, it's actually like a, a concentrated version. So like I'd have things like that in the bar, but then the bar would be 10 bucks, right? So no <laughs> yeah. one's going to yeah. buy that. Yeah. And then it would be like orange and stain your fingers because curcumin's orange. And so there's all these yeah. things you have to realize like, oh, wait, that's not going to map to the marketplace and consumer behavior and just adjust it. Nope. That makes, that makes a ton of sense. So I guess... You know, you just talked about formulating and I'm assuming, uh, and you know, I could be wrong, but you, you went through your process. You started meeting people around Boston, learning, figuring out a checklist of things to do. I'm assuming formulation was probably, probably number one, you know, so I guess walk us through kind of what that was like making a physical product for the first time, finding partners and, and, you know, making your bet on which, which formula was the right one. Yeah, I mean, it's a never-ending journey. I, I really did do it the way I described it there, where it's like, what do I want to center the products on? And then how can I make that taste palatable and then good? Yeah. And the other huge challenge that that I had to overcome, again, it's a never-ending challenge, is, is if you want to have basically no sugar in something, that that's insanely hard to make good. Um, and that, that that was always the goal. Uh, to be keto compliant and just low, low sugar, low carb, not because it was trendy or it was a weight loss product or anything like that, which that diet does map to those things, mostly yeah. for the brain. Brain. Um, so it's just a lot of trial and error. And I'm also not a food scientist. I'm totally like self-taught. I, I now know, Yeah, I would say as much as garden variety food scientists knows just from like brute force, trial and error, um, doing this for years and years. Yeah. So but I didn't at first. And so, I mean, one of the cool things about food and beverage products is they have the recipe on the back, more or less. You go buy, <laughs> buy 20 bars and like, all right, how did they do it? How did they do it? How did they do it? True. Yeah. Of course, a lot, a lot is hidden in between and any one item could actually be five items, but it gives you a starting point. And then you're like, how the hell do I source this? And then, you know, do a lot of Googling, call suppliers. The yeah. supplier tells you to call that supplier and triangulate it. And then you call all these random suppliers. And you're like, hey, can you send me samples? And then you just sort of reverse engineer other bars and then mm. like morph it into your differentiated bar. I mean, I made it harder than I could have and maybe should have. Like, like if you just want to make a granola bar, it's pretty friggin' easy. Like <laughs> get yeah. Yeah. oats and like honey and like throw a couple dried cranberries in there and you're you're good to go, right? Yeah. Like that that's quite easy. I was trying to do something much harder, which is like, how do you have 12 grams of plant protein and like all these brain nutrients and no yeah. sugar? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was just really, really, really hard. And there's so many things that can go wrong. Totally. Um, like, and and it tastes to, good. Like, yeah. And tastes good. And it's to stick together and it has to last on a shelf for a year. Like that's insane. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just very, very, very challenging. You look, it makes you look differently at anything you when you go through a process like that, you look at it, pull anything off a shelf, you just look at it differently. You're like, I know how much is under the hood. So many um, trade-offs. Yeah. And and the bar category is a tough one. It's a very competitive category, right? Like there's new bars coming out all the time. And when you go down that aisle, there's a hundred different brands, right? Like it's a very competitive category and a lot of different segments different added benefits, a lot of confusion. I think even just as like a consumer going down that aisle of the grocery store, it's like, it's overwhelming. 
the the decisions and how bars can differentiate themselves from others, right? It's tough. I know even from my past life when I was a vegan, we had bars, we, we couldn't differentiate ourselves really. And, and so that was a huge trouble for us. So when you went into the bar category, I guess one, did you have any idea what, what that category would be like in terms of the competition? And then two, how did you look at differentiating yourself from, from the rest of the mix? Yeah, honestly, I was never that like daunted by the, the category being really saturated. I, I don't know. That never really concerned me. Like cat, any, if any category is really saturated, it's a really big category. So it's, I think You're it's right. more, yeah. use, more useful to look at subcategories than it is to look at categories. Like you could, when people say, and by the way, that's the first thing everyone says yeah. to me. Yeah. They're like, oh, category, yeah. category right? Like yeah. always the first line. And I kind of relate it to like, let's say you have like a lemonade that's like, oh, drinks are, drinks are crowded. It's like, yeah. Drinks, yeah. It's like, yeah, no shit. Yeah. Um, but lemonade isn't that crowded, you know? And so mm. for us, it's like, yeah, bars are crowded, but we're not playing bars. We're playing in ultra low sugar, low carb bar. Yeah. So, I mean, and even like, you could even like narrow it to a keto bar, let's say. Yeah. And that now all of a sudden it's not crowded. There's like, mm. five. You yeah. started at 500 and mm. now you're at five. Now it's like, okay, I just need to like beat these other four players or, yeah. or at least steal some meaningful mark. Um, and then like, there's the whole dynamic of, I just chatted about this on another, another podcast. Like don't be beholden to trends, but ride trends, be, be yeah. build a product that can ride trends, but not be married to trends so that when the yeah. trend invariable and invariably ends, which all trends end, um, you don't die or, yeah. you know, so yeah. like, don't be Chia this because eventually the Chia seed trend will go away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or whatever, insert trend. You know, if you're kale chips, it's like, yeah, kale was cool. Is it still cool? Eh, less yeah. so. But um, it's just risky. Um, so yeah. like yeah. what I want to do with the bar is like, be able to ride that keto trend, which we did. And it was crazy at, yeah. at first. Like, I think it was like a, everyone expected it to be, let's say a two, two year trend. It was a seven year trend. It did. It just didn't die. Like kept getting bigger. And we were one of not that many bars that were keto. So we just like started growing. Like, <laughs> so again, like the whole, this is crowded. It was like, I never, I never even took yeah. notice of that because yeah, I'm sure Cliff Bar was still selling a zillion bars, but like they were playing a different game, and the market's just so big, and you're so small. Like, I mean, you're you're not trying to make ten million bucks; you're trying to make like ten thousand bucks, and then yeah, you're trying to enough. make yeah. yeah like twenty thousand bucks. Yeah, and you're trying to make forty thousand, yada yada. And then yeah, you get big enough where you like you have to have those bigger macro like considerations. But for a while, you're just trying to get off the ground and make your first million bucks. But it is true. You know, as you get more and more, and also we were e-commerce first. So you don't yeah, really, yeah. like with, with brick and mortar, you're like, all right, there's a shelf thing. Yeah. And spots. And I'm like, I'm going to have to displace someone. With e-commerce, you don't. Unlimited like shelf another, space. Yeah. yeah, it's unlimited shelf yeah. space. So I was never like, oh, there's 10 spots. It's like, no, there's infinite spots. And mm-hmm. you just have to make a listing and then like outperform. Um, yeah. It's, it's just a different mentality. Yeah, no, that, that's totally fair. I mean, one, one thing. I'm curious about it's just your overall approach to branding. Like I, I think the packaging, the yeah. I, I think you know even the logo, the the way you've put together the brand is is you know super strong, super clear. I think it like it really speaks to 
what you're trying to build in terms of the platform. So I was curious a little bit about how that came to be built, how you thought about it, iterations. Like, I, you know, I haven't followed you since 2017. So in terms of like, you know, maybe your first version of the brand to today, how much has it changed? <clears throat> it's changed a lot. Changed a lot. I mean, we started, so the first three, we had three SKUs and it was cacao, almond, sea salt, blueberry, sunflower, walnut, and matcha chai hazelnut, which sounds like what you would buy at like a farmer's market in Eugene, Oregon, that, <laughs> right? Like, um, and yeah, I mean, we just learned, learned a lot. It was very like pretty packaging and pastelli and this and that. And um, as we got smarter, I think we... we we learn not to fight, like meet customers where they are and tell them what they want to hear and do it really in a really clear way. Yeah. Don't, don't, and don't intimidate them. So there's all these like micro considerations with like what goes on your pack. And we, we say brain nutrients. We're not going to be like, there's lines, man, and this and that. It's like, whoa, yeah. you're confusing the people too much. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> and a lot of people don't care. That's what people get in love with their own, like, ideas of how they're special or differentiated and without realizing that no one actually cares. <laughs> You're right. Um, yeah. Like half of people just want a chocolate bar for like yeah. under, under two bucks or whatever. I call, so, that brand, I call that brands talking to themselves. They do it all the time. You sit in a room and talk about it for hours and the consumer doesn't give a shit about what you're even yeah, discussing. They, <laughs> yeah. And which is crazy. Like everyone does it and it's hard. It's just hard to avoid because everyone loves their own ideas, but yeah. yeah, I mean, that, the antidote to that is, I mean, man, probably like the best antidote to that was we did this Costco roadshow and we just talked to like 10,000. I mean, if you want to be humbled, do that. Like, or if you want to learn about what people care about, just go do that. And then you're like, wow, it really is all about A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And are we hammering that on our, our package mm-hmm. in the right order? I think the challenge this the challenge is you want to be differentiated, right? So everyone's like, you need to be different. So that's why people say, like, try to make themselves wacky in whatever way. Because all this noise over here is like, no, you need to be different. Stand out, stand out. And um, so I, it's like logical, but then it what you find is that it hurts you. So it's like, I actually think you want to be 90% meeting the consumer where they are. And it's like really only 10%. It's like, it's like any of the healthy-ish, the healthy-ish categories, the best category. It's, um, it's like, yeah, we're a pizza, but like we used a little bit of cauliflower in it. <laughs> it's true. Like 5% yeah. of it's cauliflower. And it's like, people love that, you know? And because you gave them 90% what they already were there to buy. And then they're like, oh, but it's 5% cauliflower? Like, yeah. don't be 50%. Cause now you're not me. So that's like, a, that's just a tough lesson to learn. Cause you want to be more different. It's like, actually people pretty much always buy the same stuff. Yeah. Like chocolate, peanut butter, it's a fruit, lemon and raspberry. And out. like, it's always the same. You look at like the best yeah, selling and like year over year, over year, over year, over year, <clears throat> especially now with like 2022, everyone goes back to the basics. Like look at all these, all these trends have risen and died. Mm-hmm. And plant-based meat was like everyone was in having a mania over plant-based meat and like oh wait now everyone's like <laughs> i mean i don't know the, i guess the jury's still out on that one a, a bit but like i ate plant-based meat and i was like yeah this is kind of cool and then i went back to eating meat <laughs> um I, I saw a vegan product but um so 
people revert to the mean and like yeah. people just like what they like. And if you try and fight, if you try and swim against the current, especially with as like a cash strap startup, I just it's yeah, it seems like you you set yourself up to be temporary, right? Like when that trend ends, you don't have ground to stand on if you're too different, if you're too out there. Yeah. I think like I think there are some exceptions to that, but they're yep. very special. So like I would say Mudwater is an exception to that, but it's mm-hmm. it's a very specific case. Athletic brewing, right? Mm-hmm. There's just a so 60, I think it's 65% of Americans drink coffee, like insane. Like what other product is 65% soon? Like right. I can't even think of another one other than like water. Maybe pizza, but um mm-hmm. yeah. So like everyone drinks coffee. So it's it's such a big number that some large absolute number of people are kind of pissed about drinking. They're like, I do it, but I don't really like it. Or like, I want to get off it. Plus it has the whole addictive quality and you're literally consuming yeah. a drug and it's like, maybe I want to be less stimulated, whatever. Special case. And so Mudwater comes in they're like, yeah, we're just a coffee alternative. Mm-hmm. So that flies in the face of everything I said before, like meat mm-hmm. consumers where they are, because they weren't there. Like, I guess they kind of yeah. were with Four Sigmatic. There were, there were a couple yeah. other players who had, had kind of been doing that but not not really it's you know um so like hey here's an alternative so that was highly differentiated but in a way you're still meeting the consumer where they are you're just doing it before other people realize that was this huge opportunity all those consumers you know were pissed you could go do some basic research and realize a lot of people are trying to get off coffee same with athletic brewing with beer no one had really done it at scale so yeah it is super different and it's a big risk, like no question about it. But you just know. Think of how many people drink beer. Probably similar thing, deal, 65%, let's say. Yeah. Some massive amount are kind of tired of being hung over. Like, you know, so highly differentiated, but you're still in a roundabout way meeting. Yeah. And I can relate to both of those. I One of my goals, I need to drink less alcohol and drink less coffee. So I have both those problems. So I, I can definitely see the 65% thing. Um I want to go back to the Kickstarter piece because I think you're the first founder that we talked to that has experience there. So maybe just walk us through what that was like. You said it was even before you had produced the product. So like what exactly did you show there to get the $90,000 in orders, which then ultimately led to the, the huge funding? I mean, we didn't, we had, a, we made a video, which I shot at my office of my old job. I asked the CEO if I could going on on saturday (laughs) shoot the video and he said yes my friends acted in it like shoestring budget it's like a couple um so we had a video and then you know you make a page and we had like renderings of the bars and then we had made like a very small pilot run which is like a batch of like 100 pounds so i think we had like images of the bars too and people in the video could take a bite out of it that was it and then it was just like how do you drive people to this page yeah. What people don't get about there's a whole like world of mm-hmm. and game and strategy and and there's an analog to this in the equity crowdfunding with like republic and we funder and yada yada S- similar deal it's similar exercise you're just selling shares in your company instead of selling pre-sales but yeah i mean it, the challenge is okay i let's say you want to hit fifty thousand dollars which is so arbitrary right when you haven't sold one <laughs> unit it's like completely arbitrary you're like yeah 10 grand 50 i don't know what like yeah You've never done it before. Like you have no idea where, where where your target should be, but you're like, all right, let's just say 50. Cause that seems successful. I mean, you look at other Kickstarters in your space and, and you have a high watermark. So anyway, 50, let's say is the number. And then you're like, 
right, that's a lot of orders. How am I going to drive all those orders? You know, my mom's good for 50 order, you know, or 50 units, you know, and then you quickly run out of like immediate family. And so, yeah, I mean, we, we did some insane stuff. That's definitely like black hat, you know, stuff. Basically we, we created massive email databases and then just like ruthlessly spam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like it worked I I go, <laughs> yeah yeah no it worked well so i made a database i went to harvard undergrad so i live in boston i live right where i'm in college they have these books harvard called red books that has let's say the class of 2012 you open the book it has everyone's email address, like john smith really? john smith at email so i just i had a uh my phone i just flipped through to pick 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 and then I did a uh, image to text conversion software and hmm. pulled all these emails. Yeah. Um, so I think we got like 10,000 emails. And a buddy who went to Harvard Business School, he gave me his login. Every person has the same convention. First dot, last at HBS, class of whatever, dot edu. And in their search functionality, you can, so you can't just like get, press a button and get like everyone who's ever gone to that school. But you can do it in advanced search and then you could toggle on like tennis club. And that's like some. And if you do every permutation, every combination of interest, you can like get triangulate. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> you can basically get everyone. I think I got yeah. like 97% of every person who'd ever gone to Harvard. And then you just apply some basic logic, dot last, et cetera. All right. Now I had like, that was like 80,000. I did that for my wife went to BU. I did it for BU. I did it for my parents, like graduating colleges. I think I even did, I went, I did it for my high school. I think I even did it for my middle school. Um, <laughs> anyway, and then I would just, cause you have that little bit of familiarity. See, then I, oh, and I used my Harvard undergrading as graduating on mm-hmm. because I knew the domain score was going to get absolutely roasted because all these people are going to market as spam. Yeah. So how do I use my like IQ bar domain? I would totally screw the domain, but. I don't care about the Harvard domain. Yeah. So <laughs> I I sent it to like each, or each like, let's say like 20,000 Harvard students. So I was like, hey, I was class of 14. Like, you know, I have this new project. Um, just wondering if you'd be down to check it out and support it if you're, if you're down. <laughs> like something yeah. like that. Little hook. Like, hey, we went to the same school. We're, we're entirely strangers. Like, yeah it's almost irrelevant that we have that one thing in common, but for whatever reason, you get that email, you're an alum, you're like, Oh, okay, I'll check it out. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we absolutely crushed it. Um, yeah. For That's, free, by the way. Like, yeah. Zero That's, customer acquisition costs. So yeah, I mean, tens of thousands of dollars from that. And then what we did some other stuff. Like we, we had people pre-commit to posts. <clears throat> I forget what it was called. It was some service where, like I would message a hundred people and I'd be like, Hey, will you pre-commit to a post? LinkedIn post, Facebook post, people were still at the time, Instagram post, whatever. And then I owned that post that would post. So I could click a button at any point in the future. And that would post as if they were posting on those platforms <laughs> as them with the message I wrote. Hmm. Cool. So I banked like 500 of these posts. And then the day we launched, I pressed a button and it just flooded the internet. It's a huge bang. Yeah. I, I did it like a B plus. I think other people have done this. If you really crush that strategy, Tim Fair, I think I learned this from Tim Fair. Really do it. You you can like trend. 
right? Mm -hmm. Because if, if enough people are posting the same thing with the same yeah. link, like you can trend and then you get this like massive halo effect. I ne mm -hmm. that never happened for me, but like the best manifestation of that strategy is being then trending. But anyway, there's, we were trending on um, Kickstarter because then there's a whole game to like come out hot. And if you meet past your goal on day one, now you're like on the home page of the food and beverage section and then you get all this organic traffic. It's like the rich get richer. Like the yeah. better you do, yeah, the better you do. Like better you do, the more organic people that Kickstarter throws at you. So it's just critical to do really well early. Um, there's a bunch of other stuff we did, but those were the big ones. That's a pretty good, uh, especially like email mining the Harvard, the Harvard crew. And you think like, you know, certain subsets of society are, you know, good endorsers of, of, you know, celebrities or for example, you know, setting trends. I feel like for a brain food, like IQ bar to have 80,000 Harvard people converted and possibly even giving you posts, uh, is probably a pretty powerful, pretty powerful. But dude, I mean, like. The amount of hate I got is wild. Like, yeah. Yeah. I could see yeah. That, yeah. Well, first, I, so many people like, this is spam. Like, who the hell are you? Like, I mean, we got kicked off of MailChimp. Um, and then we were like, oh, we didn't know. We weren't supposed to do that. And they're like, all right, we'll, we'll like reinstate you for like, but don't do it again. And then we immediately did it again. <laughs> <laughs> <Love> <laughs> I've learned my lesson. Uh, I won't do it again. Immediately did it again. Yeah. And then we got kicked off again, but like the damage is done. We had already like hit everyone yeah. on our list. But yeah, like this one lady was like, how dare you call this IQ bar? Like, what are you elitist? And like, you only want to sell. It was like the amount of the weird stuff you get back. If you, if you email <laughs> yeah. 80,000 people, anything like a picture of That's... a freaking banana, you'll get like 20 people who are like, how dare you send me it? You know, it's like, <laughs> So well, that was interesting, but what are you yeah. going to do? They, they forget about it in two days. Meanwhile, you just made 30 grand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what what's next for the brand? So you talked about uh, IQ Joe. I guess that's the big expansion. What Anything else you, you want to share about what the next 12, 18 months looks like? Yeah, I mean, that is a big one. So we'll do something similar to what we did with IQ Mix, which is launch online. It's cool because it'll be the same form factor. So it'll be <clears throat> stick packs. So we can use the same co-packer, same, literally same stick pack um, dimensions, different design, obviously. But operationally speaking, it's really synergistic with what we're already doing. So that's huge. Like going from bars to, to powders, it's so different. You need a different co-packer, different state, different form factor. Like everything's different and candidly easier. Like powders are way easier. So that'd be great. Um, but we'll launch it online and and probably keep it online all of only all of 2023, which we've done with Mix as well. Um, we're a super small team. I mean, there's only six of us. And yeah, I mean, try to expand. Uh, bars are massively omni-channel. Like roughly half of our business at the end of this year will be brick and mortar, and roughly half will be um with both Mix and Joe being like pretty much only online. So the yeah. bars that were in like Walmart and Wegmans, Sprouts, Rite Aid, um, a bunch of read, about 8,000 doors. And so the goal is, I think the biggest growth will come from brick and mortar. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it's a just grow. I mean, we try to double every year. That's like our high level goal and work backwards from that. So it's like, okay, let's say we have to double. How can we do that? Not like what's realistic. It's like, no, let's 
if we had to double, what would we have to do to, to get there? And then we just try and do that. Just like, I don't know. I don't know how other people do it. I found that's like a simpler rubric than yeah. like trying to be realistic. Um, Cause you kind of like rise to whatever bar mm-hmm. you set for yourself. Yeah. Love it. Love it. One question we, we like to ask, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of the Tim Ferriss for the, the CPG professionals out there, but your days, how do you, how do you organize yourself? How do you approach your weeks? How do you, how do you manage uh, your time priorities, all that kind of stuff? I, I don't have a awesome answer for you. I'm not like one of those people who's like super regimented where I'm like, I'd take a cold plunge at 5 a.m. And then like, <laughs> you know, journal from you know six to seven and then I meditate and then I like, <laughs> like chart out my day in five minute increments. Like, all right, get up seven and seven a.m. ish. I've been doing this thing where I don't drink coffee too early because I, I listen to this Andrew Huberman piece where he's I've like, seen don't this. drink, yeah, don't the don't drink caffeine too early, adenosine or whatever, yeah, adenosine, yeah, yeah, that Joe Rogan clip, yeah, yeah. Um, so I heard that and I was like, oh, okay, I won't drink coffee for the first 90 minutes. So yeah, I drink um, IQ mix, so I get uh, magnesium L3 and 8 in the in the in the dome. And uh, listen to the news, which is nice because I'm like still half asleep coming out of the sleep phase. And I just listen to a right wing. I listen to like a, a lefty podcast and a righty podcast. And triangulate the truth. Just a, just a good moderate. Yeah. 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 And um, and then, yeah, drink, drink coffee, get to my desk at like call it 730. I write a LinkedIn post from 730 to 8. So I do, I write for a half an hour, seven thirty day, every day. And that's just like a great exercise for me. Uh, it's like therapeutic almost. So it sort of takes that, it's for me like meditation almost. Um, yeah. And then I post that and then I get into work and like, but I'm not like, I do email here and I do, I like, depends on the day. I might have a deliverable. I just like have to get out the door by the end of the day and I'll, yeah. I'll be, I try to do like, focus dives as much as i can yeah um jumping from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing is like much less than like oftentimes i won't respond to emails like for the most part like let's say wednesday through friday and then i'll just respond to emails for like five hours on saturday like that's all i'll do mm-hmm. and just like dig out of it um so i just much prefer like chunking gotcha yeah which I don't know. There's no perfect answer, right? Everyone does it differently. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit chaotic. I'm not a type A person. I yeah. wish I was and I try to be, but I'm not. My wife is. I'm not. So I'm like constantly trying to more type. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are weird like that. They're like chaotic human beings. Yeah. I guess you kind of need to be. I, um, you know, I, I love your LinkedIn, your LinkedIn content. And it's something I've noticed with a few a few of the people who do it really well. It's almost like they use LinkedIn as a journal, like a way yeah. to a way to basically publicly journal. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. That's exactly what I do. I like it. I like it. Keep and then it you get input. Like it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like writing gamified. Yeah. Because when you write a journal, you're like, huh, cool, and then you like put it in your drawer. But when you type out a post then all these you get like real-time feedback yeah you know if like it's good there's like a score 
Like there's yeah. likes. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also people will write and they'll be like, I disagree or I agree or I had a similar experience or whatever. And so it's like, why wouldn't you do that? Because yeah. you. You're right. Like I, I, I'm pretty sure like the most profound thing I've ever written in a journal is probably lost. At least yours yeah. are all, yours yeah, are yeah. all, yours They're are all like, up. you know, yeah. they, they're all ranked rated and you can find it. Right. So that's yeah. kind of a, a tragedy. What you just said. <laughs> yeah, is, yeah, no, yeah. For sure. For sure. <laughs> I, I think it's true though. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, end of the day, I'm not going to flip back through hundreds of pages over whatever the last decade to, to find a note. There'll right? be so. some, there's some service where you'll just like send in your notebook and it'll like collate all your thoughts and then you can like search them. It'll be something. Hold on to those things. For sure. For sure. And if there's, what if there's nothing profound in them, then that would be even more. I might be giving myself too much credit. I might be giving <laughs> myself too much credit. That, that does happen very often, by the way. You're like, damn, that was profound. And then like a week later, you, you re-read it. You're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're just feeling yourself that day, I guess. And then it fades off. But yeah. Another question we'd like to ask people, what is a brand that's out there right now that you uh, love we call it your brand crush like it's something you use or just a brand you like what they're doing um you did mention mudwater earlier i guess that that's one that's uh trending right now i've actually never others? i've never tried mud oh no i just think it's a cool case study uh, yeah. i drink coffee i, I like coffee there's, yeah. there's no problem i guess i, I could gel right so yeah you must yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the problem being solved is not a problem it's a solution um so yeah dude i crush probably like five oh, of yeah. these a day yeah. These Zevia ginger ales are, it's like, that's what I'm always envious of uh, on drinks, which is partially why I got into drinks is it's like, can't fatigue. There's no flavor fatigue. Like I could mm -hmm. drink 10 ginger ales a day and I'm like, number 10 is just as good as number one. And the zero sugar thing. And they just like nailed the like Stevia and I don't know. I don't even like the branding. Like I think the branding is kind of like, yeah. It looks like that Shasta Cola or whatever. Yeah. But the product's so freaking good. I, it's like, I don't care. <laughs> I, that's the thing. Here's another thing. And we get all worked up about like branding and this and that. It's like, dude, I could not care less. Once I liked this, I that was like priority number 500. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if you like focus more on the products, because... When you converted me, my lifetime value for Zevia is like 10 grand. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's food, right? Like it needs to taste good. Sometimes it's, we get caught up in just benefits, but it's like, it needs to taste good. It's food. We're consuming yeah. it. Right. So packaging is important, but the flavor of what you're drinking is more important than how the can looks. So it's, but yeah, it's interesting. Okay, but there's yeah. just these things like Bob's Red Mill. Is that like phenomenal, beautiful, millennial looking pack? No, it's like no. a guy with a beard on the, and it's like, but it's just like they do it really well. They just yeah. like execute yeah. really well. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, well, last question we like to ask people, thought experiment, you're in front of, let's call it 15 to 20 aspiring founders or even just, you know, people who want to who wanna work in CPG, maybe join a startup or join even a, a big company. And uh, you want to you wanna give them one or two pieces of, of just key advice for them to take into their career. What are what are you telling that group? So they all want to be founders or they want to just work in CPG? They're interested in selling physical product. All right. Well, the first thing I would say is in what capacity you want to be a founder. Like decide the capacity in which you want to be doing that. Because being a founder and being a 
even one step below that, let's say COO, yeah. is like yeah. wildly different. You yeah. may think it's not that different. It's like wildly yeah. different. Uh, so decide what you want to do. Do you want this thing to take over your life? How much do you value your romantic relationships? How much do you value your social relationships? How much do you value your bank account? How long are you willing to forego a salary or live at the poverty line? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Right? You're going to have to answer all those if you want to go the founder route. And by the way, you're going to like, you're going to have to say, I'm willing to sacrifice A, B, C, and D. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. so just like That's make fair. sure you button that piece up first because everything will come crashing down if you do that upfront exercise wrong and you'll just burn out or run out of money or whatever. I mean, honestly, that's like the biggest advice, like to, to like make sure the macro elements are aligning to for success. But let's say they are, and let's say you're willing to make all those sacrifices. I would say do something that is like obsess over product, obsess over unit economics, and obsess over go-to-market strategy. And simpler is better. Like if I've learned anything over the long run, simpler is better. Like if I was starting from zero, I would try to be like, the, I would try to be the guy who provides a coffee to Costco, like one skew, just to Costco. Yeah. And a lot of people would be like, that's the dumbest thing ever. Because you, what if you lose Costco? You have so much like risk. And, and I think the reality is there's no best answer. Because what I would say to that is, well, what if you have like e-commerce and that's like a website and Amazon and you have Costco and you have this and you have that. Da, 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 da. Mm. Like, I think I would err on the side and I'm giving an extreme extreme example. I don't think yeah. mm -hmm. I don't think there is that maybe there is that guy, but like just pick like one, two, three channels and just maybe it's D to C. Yeah. Although I candidly wouldn't just all, all in on that one, but maybe it's D to C and Amazon. That's it. Maybe it's just mm -hmm. Amazon. That that's another thing that I think is is pretty attractive. Like if I was like a one, two, three person team, just pick Amazon. Like you the best at Amazon. Like be the best mm -hmm. at PPC, be the best at display ads, be the best at having the best listings and then obsess over products and obsess over unit economics. If you just like nail those three things, um, you'll be so far ahead of everyone else. Like we get excited as entrepreneurs and you want to do everything. Right? Yeah. Oh, like this retailer hit me up and like you have a very hard time turning down opportunities and um and oftentimes you create things that were doomed to fail because the unit economics were never there. Yeah. And you're just a zombie or a dead man walking. That'll catch up. You can only artificially prop that up so long. So yeah, I guess th those would be my three focal to really, really obsess over. Those are great. I, especially yeah. unit economics. We, we've talked on it a number of times. And I think for a lot of founders going in, it's not clear all the costs associated, especially with brick and mortar, for example, right? Like if you get pricing wrong, it's really hard to fix after the fact. Things like your product, putting you know, whatever curcumin in could be a fatal error, right? So um, that kind of stuff is huge. So yeah, like the answer. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we'll appreciate you coming on. Nice meeting you and, and hearing more about your story. I'm going to remember the, the Harvard email story, I think for the rest of my life. That's, uh, that's an that's a new strategy for me that I've never I've never heard before. 
that, well, that's it's for sure. like illegal or like not at least <laughs> against like frowned upon. service. Yeah. 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 Highly yeah. frowned upon. Frowned upon yeah. yeah, let us let us know when you uh when you go to like an alumni event if that ever comes up. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I'm really curious. That's true. But I appreciate it. Love the brand, love the product, and appreciate you spending some time with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Thanks okay. so much, Will. Have a good day. All right, take care. Well, that was great. I really thought Will was Will was a cool guy. Super, super interesting. Loved the way uh, he's approached his business and thought it was uh, thought it was really interesting how how he's brought his business to market and how he's he's uh, kind of innovated to to get to where he is. Uh, Justin, from your end, any uh, any key takeaways you want to know? Yeah, he he said a lot of interesting things, right? Like he talked about where he got his inspiration from and. He talked about some of the challenges in different areas and was pretty open about different strategies he used that you know people can maybe rip and run with a little bit. Um, I liked what he said, and it's pretty similar to another guest, Erica, that we had before, where he said when he didn't know something, he just found someone that knew it. So rather than spinning, and he's, he used the word floundering, uh, and being caught with an idea and not knowing what to do, it's easy enough in today's world to just reach out to people who do know what they're doing learn from them, and then be effective and successful. So just something that's so simple, but a lot of people don't take that step to do. So I thought that was key takeaway. Alex, what about you? I think, I mean, there was a few from my end. I loved what he said at the end around, you know, you know, decide if you're willing to make the sacrifice of being a founder. And then, and then some of the things you need to really obsess over. I thought that was great. But I think for me, one of the ones that I'm going to take away and, and have to think about is, how the heck am I actually going to do my journal going forward? Because it seems like he's got a better method. Uh, you know, I liked, he, he said, he's like, I'm not particularly systematic, but I do spend exactly 30 minutes every single day doing this post. And for those who aren't following well already, uh, you should, he has really you know, insightful and, and good content if you're in CPG. So that's one for me. Uh, I think, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in journaling generally and, getting your thoughts out and organizing your mind and and putting it out into the world. Uh, but I don't really do it on social media. I mean, I, I have a podcast, but I'm not really posting every day. So uh, that's something for me to chew on, I think. Yeah. I, I see a future episode where after you've gone through all your journal entries, we go through your top 10 most profound entries. I'm, yeah. I'm excited. That's, like, that's better than any guest we could ever have. Grilled cheeses are better with ketchup. Uh, that kind of that kind of stuff. It's accurate. <laughs> it's true. As long as it's not wrong. It's true. All right, guys. Well, thanks everyone for listening. If you're still here, we really appreciate it. Uh, please like, subscribe, follow us on our social media channels, and we will be back again next week. Thanks, everyone. Um,